The year, 1989. You play a middle-aged man named Henry, married to a witty Australian called Julia. After everything solid in your life falls away like the last leaves from a cottonwood tree, you catch sight of a job in Shoshone National Forest. A few months isolation away from the troubles of the world sounds just about right. My name is Chris, and this is Consuming Creativity. Firewatch is a narrative exploration game developed by Campus Santo and released in 2016. The game's reached an average Metacritic score of 81 across the three release platforms and continues to find fans around the world. It's got an amazing, vibrant cartoon art style with a phenomenal soundtrack and some of the best character writing I've ever seen in a game. And that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. The main plot of the game, while engaging and very well told, isn't actually very important for what we're going to be talking about today, so I'm not going to be spoiling the main plotline at all, leaving the journey for you to experience on your own. There will be some spoilers, particularly with regard to the information about the two main characters of the game, their lives before the game, and how their relationship develops throughout the course of the narrative. Due to the fact this is a game we're talking about here, and the narrative engine supporting the dialogue is incredibly variable and fluid, reacting to your input as a player, your mileage may vary. The conversations I describe from here on are only one version of the dialogue that could come up. Some conversations won't happen in your playthrough and some might be radically different in tone. The points I make should be applicable to most playthroughs, unless you manage to do something so radically off-center that you find yourself exploring hitherto unheard of pieces of dialogue. If this sounds like you, then please get in touch. I would love to hear new pieces from the game. Without further ado, let's jump into it. As I said earlier, you play a man named Henry, and the opening of the game speeds you through the last decade or so of Henry's life. Text on screen with a few binary choices takes you through his first interaction with a college professor named Julia, their first date, then moving in together, buying a dog, planning to have children, you know, the works. Things take a darker turn as Julia begins to behave erratically, forgetting conversations, feeling disorientated, and eventually a doctor diagnoses her with early onset dementia. When things get too tough for you, you see an ad in the newspaper for a fire lookout at Shoshone National Forest. Now, just like the game, I sped over that opening. There's a number of decisions in it that, while they don't have any direct impact on the game, they will affect your mindset as you settle into the role of Henry. When you and Julia get a dog, do you let her get the small, adorable beagle that she wants, or do you overrule her and get a more practical choice? Do you agree with her about wanting children? Do you try to ignore her symptoms and hope it mends itself? Do you get her the support she needs or stubbornly refuse any assistance? None of these decisions have any direct impact on the way the story goes and most of them won't even be referenced again. But these choices are a key part of the game, setting up the mindset and the understanding of Henry that you will need to fully connect with his arc as a person. Henry is a man who, at the beginning of the game, is at his most powerless. Whether quickly and painfully or slowly and despairingly, your wife is now beyond your help, she's beyond your comfort, and you're left adrift trying desperately to figure out how to know who you are after everything that's happened. And that's where the game begins, as you make your way from your home to your home away from home in the Shoshone National Forest Fire Lookout known as Two Forks. 
This opening is actually really nicely done with a fantastic music score and some really evocative scenes in the almost cartoonishly art style, showing the impressive natural environment that you'll be spending the rest of the game with. It's a really good introduction overall, gives a really good impression of the kind of game you'll be playing and it sets up the story really well. The whole opening takes about 10 minutes. Arriving at Two Forks, you climb to the top of your tower, flip on the power switch, and a radio on the desk starts buzzing and a female voice calls out, Hello, Two Forks Tower. Two Forks Tower, this is Thoroughfare Tower, come in. Um, hello? Whoever this is? It's Henry, right? Yeah. I'm Delilah. Yeah, that's what the guy said on the phone. This first clip is light, friendly, but still professional. It sets out that Delilah is actively proud of her job to some extent, she operates professionally, and she's got an obvious excitement about meeting a new person, and she's warm and welcoming. The conversation continues as she introduces herself as your superior, and then she asks the very straightforward question. So, what's wrong with you? Excuse me? People take this job to get away from something, so what's wrong? What's wrong with you? That's a great idea. Go ahead. Look, I just hiked for two days, so I don't really follow whatever it is you're doing right now. You take a stab at what's wrong with me. Fine, then can I sleep forever? No, it doesn't really matter too much what is wrong with either of them or what Henry's guess is. What the conversation shows is that Delilah is a confident woman who has an ability to read into people very easily. She may not know what's happened with Henry, but she does show an ability to understand the kind of people who would take a job like this. We learn later it's somewhat self-referential as she too is running away from something, but it speaks to her experience in the role and the different types of people that she's seen come through. In a way, it almost helps frame the introduction section about Julia in a wider context. We've just experienced, albeit in a condensed form, the same journey as Henry, and we come to realise now that while the details of his life are different, he isn't the first person to come out here looking to escape, he isn't the first person here with trauma, and he isn't out of the ordinary for those things. It strangely frames Henry as being exactly the right fit for the world he now finds himself in, which gives us a really good foundation for his relationship with Delilah, as we come to see that they'll complement each other very well, and in some ways they're exactly the person the other one needs to move on with their lives. Whatever Henry responds to Delilah with, and the choices are magnificent in their specificity and dark humour, Henry will refuse to open up to her in return. It's clear from Delilah's response that she's only really playing along with Henry's guess anyway, but Henry doesn't even offer that level of engagement. Delilah, however, doesn't seem the slightest bit offended and laughs when he shuts her down. He settles down for the evening and he begins his job properly the next day. Day one on the job starts late. Henry sleeps in, Delilah makes a joke about it, but she doesn't chastise him. She says the hike usually puts people out of commission for a day or two, which again, sets up Henry as being one among many, and helps him really fit into that everyman role that a good protagonist should. She then begins to orientate him to his job, asking him to locate the firefinder in his lookout tower. Okay, yeah, I see it. This is the Osborne Firefinder, invented in 1914 by W.B. Osborne? You use this to spot, you guessed it, fi- What the fuck? What is it? Nothing. Um, you, uh, you use this to- Oh, fuck me! Good God, language, lady. Out your west-facing window. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Delilah is usually the one who, throughout the game, will set the pace of the relationship with Henry. 
She begins the first conversation, she's the first one to make jokes, and here she's the first one to start swearing. It's a pivotal moment as it shifts the dynamic from a more traditional employer-employee relationship to something more casual. A shift that's almost necessary considering how long they'll be working together without much outside impact. In fact, throughout the game, Henry has no other contact really than Delilah. So it's actually really important that Delilah shifts that dynamic early to begin building the rapport and the trust that will be crucial to both of them doing their jobs. It isn't clear how much of this is due to Delilah's understanding of people and her insight into how best to do her job, and how much of it is just representative of her character and personality being more casual and informal despite the implied hierarchical relationship. Personally, I view it as a combination of the two, as Delilah on a few occasions shows herself to be very capable at nudging Henry in the right direction through her careful choice in wording, implying to me that she's more in control of the relationship than just laid back. Day one revolves around two teenagers setting off fireworks, and it's these fireworks that cause Delilah to swear. She asks Henry if he can see the fireworks too. Whoa, that's not legal, right? Uh, no. You need to get down there right now and stop them. Fire danger is through the fucking roof. Is that really my job? Your job is whatever I say it is. Look, the closest ranger is like two days away. Go down there and set them straight. Do you think you can handle that? Like, kick the shit out of him sort of straight? No, 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 no. Jesus, no. What? I'm not a cop. It's not like I've got a rule book over here. Just make sure they don't do it again. Take their shit. All right, fine. Don't feed anyone a knuckle sandwich. This interaction is one of the ones that varies depending on playthrough. Henry has a number of choices that he can respond with, but I find this particular version to be important for two reasons. First is the fact that Henry is obviously a little unclear where the line is in what he should and shouldn't do. This is amplified by some of the instruction sequences with Julia as Henry might end up physically assaulting a mugger in front of her, adding to Henry's ability to know what is considered too far. It's important for moments in the main plotline as well that happen later. Secondly, the suggestion from Delilah to take their shit is quite a key line. Firstly, she shows the same inability to see what's reasonable and what's not as Henry, though to a much lesser degree. And secondly, the suggestion ends up being something that Henry is accused of himself a little later, and Delilah isn't sure whether to believe Henry when he says it wasn't him. Since Delilah here is the one who makes the suggestion, whether she's serious or not, it shows a little of her in-control facade slipping that a few days later she seems to forget that it was her suggestion in the first place. Soon after heading towards the source of the fireworks, Henry comes across a steep shale slide that he needs to traverse, prompting the following exchange. Uh, this shale slide is steep. How do you expect me to get down this? I don't remember it being that bad. It's not even named on our topos. It should be called Cripple Gulch, just east of gonna pee in a bag forever flats. Oh, is that Absorka Indian? Maybe, maybe Creek? That's actually English for not in my job description. This is one of the first moments where Henry begins to relax in his interactions with Delilah, and she notices it and responds warmly. It begins to help cement the type of interaction the two of them will share and the nature of the humour they'll begin to develop throughout the game. A key moment about this shale slide is that Henry actually does nearly injure himself climbing down, which Delilah shows concern for, but when he returns a few days later with new ropes, he's easily able to overcome this obstacle. It's a great use of the environment mirroring Henry's own journey as a person out in the Shoshone forest. He came here unable to deal with the reality of his life at home, but he'll return with new skills and understandings that might let him approach the same problems fresh and better prepared. 
It's important to note there are a few references scattered throughout the game to the fact that Henry isn't here permanently, that he will one day have to return to Boulder, Colorado in his old life. Unlike us, who leave Henry's life once the game ends, he doesn't have that luxury. The end of the summer is the end of his freedom, and it's the signal for him to return. It's important to note that Henry himself rarely makes these references to August and the end of summer, they almost always come from Delilah, as she's obviously completely unaware of what the end of summer signifies for Henry. A little while later, Henry can report to Delilah that he's found some beer cans, prompting the following conversation. Finding a bunch of empty beer cans, they threw them all over hell. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, sure am. I would like to retract my statement about knuckle sandwiches. Feed away. This is a great reflection of the exchange from before. Before the conversation about the shale slide, Delilah assumed Henry was serious about beating people up and immediately told him not to. Now that she's begun to hear his humour and knows they're in a more comfortable place, she can inject her own humour again without as much heavy-handedness. She's comfortable enough with him now and her own knowledge of him that he won't misunderstand her comment and think that she's actually giving him permission to be violent. She knows that they have a similar humour and doesn't feel the need anymore to overemphasize when she isn't being serious. However, when Henry finds the wannabe arsonist backpack, the following happens. They left their packs tied up here. Don't fuck with them. The last thing we need is some hikers filing a report about harassment. Which does seem to suggest that she's second-guessed whether Henry knows the line between joking and serious, but this is still the first day. Henry finds the firework-wielding tourists the two teenage girls, Skinny Dipping and Jonesy Lake. Henry has a multitude of different ways that he could deal with them, some of which will get referenced later if you choose them, but regardless of how you choose to handle the situation, the girls leave angry. This section is worth a short detour to talk about the consideration made by Camposanto in the possibilities open to Henry at specific points during the game. They accounted for a number of options during this interaction with the teens at the lake. You could just speak with them, or you could throw things at them, or you can pick up their stereo and drop it in the water, shorting it out. You can pick up a bottle of whiskey back at their camp and throw that in the lake. And the teens react accordingly to all of these. It has to be said that this level of detail in the options wasn't necessary, but it's a really good touch, and it's great to see that level of care put in. So, I have a bit of a confession to make. What is it? Um, look, I was, I was drunk last night when I welcomed you to the job. Yeah, well, you're not the first boss to be guilty of that. I know, I just, I know I can get a little pushy, you know, putting you on the spot about uh, why you're out here and stuff. Yeah, whatever. Well, um, you know, I'll try to make it up to you. Anyway, let me know when you get back to your lookout. This section really encapsulates what makes the game so well written for me. The dialogue feels completely natural, every nuance of normal human speech feels real. This is how people speak, with all the pauses, evasive phrasing, the use of, uh, yeah, as an avoidance strategy. The game is full of these, at no point does the game make either character feel unnatural or scripted. It really does sound like two people just having a conversation and beginning to get to know each other. It's a testament to the writing, but I need to take a minute for another small aside. While I am mostly here to celebrate the incredible writing of the game, I would be ashamed if I didn't give credit where it's due to the two voice actors who made this game the wondrous delight of humanity that it is. Rich Sommer and Sissy Jones lend their expert talent to the voice acting of Henry and Delilah respectively, and it's incredible work. They punctuate every line with a human pacing, an adequate pausing, and the ums and ahs that litter general human interaction. 
They managed to walk a very fine line between a cohesive conversation and the normal meanderings that real people take when they speak. I just had to stop and give them a mention for that work. There's some guy out here giving me the creeps. The creeps? Wait, he's looking at you? Is he doing anything else? I... I don't think so. Henry, there's... there's something I... Something someone should have told you about this area. What is it? It's... outside. Come on. The whole thing. And people come and go as they please. It's... it's... it's madness. Yeah, yeah, okay. I get it. Look, bumping into someone in the middle of nowhere is part of the fun. This section is wonderful, showing how Delilah is more than willing to openly mock Henry, and Henry in turn takes that ridicule. It also shows that Henry is still feeling inexperienced and out of his depth, which is to be expected, but he's also become comfortable enough that Delilah's mocking doesn't upset him for what is essentially paranoia on his part seeing the figure. At the end of the day, Delilah tells Henry that she wants him to feel safe, in a moment of seeming tenderness once again punctuated by humour. I need you to feel safe out here. Don't worry about it. Oh, you can protect yourself, huh? I've done it before. Okay, tough guy. Delilah calls Henry by a nickname, Hank, on the second day of his employment, and Henry is very quick to shut her down. Will do. Thanks, Hank. It's Henry. What, you don't like Hank? Yeah, I don't like Hank. But thanks rhymes with Hank. No, it doesn't. Okay, all right. This is important, as it's a signifier of the level of their relationship. After about 30 days, Delilah's begun calling him Hank without any complaint from Henry's side. It's a small detail, but like most of Firewatch, it feeds into a larger flow of the relationship between them. <sighs> I'm sorry, can you hold that thought? Uh, sure, just gonna keep hiking and hoping it warms up. Heyo. I don't think so. Why, have you? Okay, good. No, I don't think he has any idea. I'm absolutely sure. Would you? All right, I'll let you know if anything changes in that regard. Hey, sorry about that. Anyway, uh, Julia, girlfriend? Ex? Sorry, I, I don't mean to pry. Who was that? Who was who? I, I don't think he has any idea. What, what was that? Were you talking about me? Uh, what? You left your button pressed or something. Henry, that call was work. I was just talking to... Actually, it's not really your business. Why are you freaking out? I'm not freaking out. Good. I'm going to go quiet for a little bit. Call me if it's important. This section has a lot to break down. Firstly, it includes one of the only topics where your relationship with Delilah can be dramatically different between playthroughs. How much you choose to open up to Delilah about Julia is quite an important factor in how your relationship progresses. In my first playthrough, I decided to keep the information about Julia to myself, probably out of some shame for how I felt responsible for how poor her care had been, and my relationship with Delilah had this extra distance that wasn't there on subsequent playthroughs. Somehow this changes everything about the relationship, and also it changes nothing. 
The actual dynamic never actually changed that much, but as the player, knowing you're withholding information changes the way that you, and subsequently Henry, views Delilah, and the extra layer of guilt for not opening up taints the relationship as well. Secondly, this section introduces a plot element that I still don't know how I feel. The idea of sowing distrust and suspicion between Delilah and Henry. I don't know whether this is simply a remnant of the original game concept that bled into their relationship, and it's nothing more than an unwanted scar on the writing, or if it's a genius way of ensuring the player never feels entirely secure with having Delilah as an ally, reminding them that they, and Henry, can only truly rely on himself. He doesn't really know anything about Delilah, other than what she's told him. Personally, the distrust was a negative for me, but I can see why a player would enjoy that extra level of isolation and loneliness added into Henry's situation. I simply found it a detriment to what I considered a very positive and realistic representation of a completely platonic relationship. If you've played the game, I will touch on the platonic side of that soon. This section sets up one of the few parts of the game in which the distrust is explored, and if you enjoy that subplot, then more power to you. It just doesn't really work well for me. The fact that Delilah steps away after that conversation is, however, very effective to me. Until now, Henry's always been able to be in contact with Delilah, even though he's entirely isolated otherwise. With the exception of the teens by the lake and the figure in the woods, you don't actually interact in any way with any other people. Delilah is your entire connection to the outside world, so having her step away and be unreachable is actually somewhat terrifying, as that truly does cut Henry off from the rest of humanity in its entirety. The small icon on the side of the screen that reminds you that Delilah isn't answering is a constant reminder of this isolation, and made me feel more anxious than some of the deliberately tense parts of the game. Hey, I'm out at a ravine. What's this thing that spans across it? That is how you get to my sector. No kidding. Well, let me hike over. Well, it's locked up and mainly for emergencies. I've never actually used it. Rangers use it from time to time, but that's it. Help! Oh, God, it's an emergency! Oh, really? Yeah, I got, I, got, um, I got eyes on a tornado! I gotta get out of here! A tornado in the heart of the Rockies? Yes! Holy moly, I need to call this in! Tom, Two Forks sees a tornado! He says he needs an evac into my sector. It's a meteorological impossibility? There haven't been tornadoes in the greater Yellowstone region in a hundred million years? You're gonna need him to stay and take a detailed personal account even if it means giving his life? Okay, I'll tell him. Sorry, Hank. No dice. Man. Honestly, there's not much to say about this section that I haven't already said. I just love this moment. It's off the beaten track a little bit as well, so most people probably won't hear this interaction, which happens with quite a lot of the game. There's a number of dialogues that only happen if you explore far and wide, or even go in entirely the wrong direction and get yourself lost. Honestly, exploring this game makes for a fantastic experience even if you ignore the main plotline. About a month in, Henry is hiking to pick up a food package, and Delilah brings up something unexpected. So, like, two weeks ago you called me in the middle of the night? You were sleeping, I guess, and all I heard was the name Jules through the mumbles. I just thought it was so sweet. I wanted to wake you up, but then I thought maybe you were having a nice conversation and I'd just be spoiling it. Is there anything else you want to tell me about her? Yeah, actually. Look, I wasn't honest with you about her. Well, why not? Because I messed up. She got really early Alzheimer's and I lost her. 
she's still alive. She's being taken care of back in Australia because that's where she's from. She's, she's there. Oh my God, Henry. And that's it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Henry, listen. Oh my God, I'm so sorry you've gone through that. I, I don't know if you've thought of it this way, but her family is taking care of her and you need to take care of you. Thanks. I'll let you keep hiking. This is a very touching scene and I hope that you've felt that listening to it if you haven't played the game yourself. So much of Delilah and Henry's interaction up until now has been witty, snappy and sarcastic. But for this scene there's nothing but open, honest connection. Delilah sounds genuinely affected by what Henry tells her and she shows true compassion for his situation. There's a great way of showing how their relationship has developed past the co-worker stage and into a genuine friendship in a way that really touches on the basic human experience of finding companionship. You've got a front row seat for what might be the biggest fire of the year. Yeah, it's really going. I'm gonna call it in. They'll send in a hotshot crew for some suppression, but I bet we'll be stuck with her for the rest of the summer. And she doesn't have a name yet. I usually think of something funny or something practical or a little risque when coming up with them. But why don't you do the honors? Uh, Delilah's a nice name. <laughs> no, you big dummy. I was kidding. Mm, no, you were not. You're sweet, but we can't call it the Delilah Fire. Okay, what then? Mm, how about my middle name, June? The June Fire. Even though it's July. <laughs> I like it. So there's this creek down the hill, and, um, you know what my favorite thing to do is? What's that? I love to take a bottle of whatever I have on hand, plunge it deep into the water, and let it chill in there all day. And then, on nights like tonight, when it is so disgustingly hot, I have something nice and cool to drink. I learned that from my sister in Santa Fe. She'd do that with a bottle of tequila near her house and make margaritas the size of your head. You would like it there. I'm sure I would. Sounds pretty great. It is. Are you looking at the fire? Yeah, I am. I love how they look at night. During the day, it's just smoke, but when the sun is down, you can just get lost. This scene is another polarizing one when it comes to reactions from the audience. While there are some very obvious romantic overtones to the conversation, personally, I choose to perceive this as two lonely people looking for companionship among close friends. This is one of the more mundane conversations where both characters are relaxing into the dialogue a little more, connecting on a human level, and even talking about their relationship extending beyond the summer. This for me is the moment where they both acknowledge that they've stepped beyond the role of good co-workers and into something stronger and more long-lasting. Unfortunately, the summer doesn't go as planned. As promised, I have skipped out the entirety of the main plotline in this review with a few exceptions of the first few days of the narrative. In order to not spoil the rest of the plot, I'm jumping directly to the end here, and it's at this point I'm going to warn you of an additional spoiler. If you don't want the very end scene of the game spoiled, not the plotline but the very last conversation, then please stop the episode right now and go and play the game. 
You have been warned. I'm not responsible for your disappointment if this was the wrong choice to continue. The fire rages out of control, and roughly 75 days into his job, they're being airlifted out to safety. Henry heads to the rail car we discovered earlier and over to Delilah's lookout. When we arrive, we find it empty. Picking up the radio headset in her room, Henry says, Hello? Is anybody there? Hi. Yeah, it's me. You're not here. No. Don't be mad. I'm not. I just couldn't be out there for another minute. You can really hear the disappointment in Henry's voice. This situation is chaotic, dangerous, scary, and the one person who's been a constant in his life for the past two and a half months has abandoned him at the end. This scene is honestly a very bittersweet end to their relationship. It's immediately clear they'll probably never meet in person, they'll probably never continue this relationship, but that both of them have been shaped irreversibly by their summer together. One fantastic exchange revolves around the question of what each of them will do now that the summer is over. I'll have to figure out what I'm doing every summer from now on that isn't this. You're not coming back? No. And you'll have to... I don't know. Yeah, me neither. I don't know what's next. Tell you what, why don't you choose for me and I'll choose for you. (laughs) Alright, sure. Um, maybe... Maybe you could come back to Boulder with me and figure it out down there. Um, just, just a thought. You don't want me down there. Well, I just asked you. Look, I've got some things to do in Casper, and maybe I'll head south sometime after that. I could come by, sure. Okay. So, what about me? I think you should go to Julia, and then you can figure it out. Maybe put that typewriter to good use. Give me a sexy accent or something if you write about this. I, um... Yeah. This section for me is the one that really solidifies what Delilah meant to Henry. The whole summer he's been able to redefine himself, removed from his life before, specifically removed from Julia. Now, faced with the idea of returning to his life, he feels powerless again. The last thing he can think of to hold on to that sense of who he's become is for Delilah to come with him. Now, you could easily see this as being romantic, but personally, I think that detracts from the importance of Henry's journey in accepting that Julia's condition always has been outside of his control and that it's something he doesn't need to feel shame and guilt over. Delilah was the catalyst, and for Henry at least, she's the reminder of that fact and the way that he has regained his strength. The fact that Delilah refuses to go with him shows that she understands that the next step is one that he has to take on his own. For people who read their relationship as romantic, Delilah is accepting that she can't replace Julia, but I think that in either interpretation, Delilah is recognising and forcing Henry to realise that he never once managed to escape his past, and that now he needs to turn around and choose to face it head on. In one path through the game, Delilah reveals that she's also running from her past, and a failed relationship with a man named Javier. She even admits that she lied to friends and family about the reason the relationship ended, and that she's carried that failed relationship with her for some time. 
If this is revealed by Jelila earlier in the game, she references it here at the end, that she needs closure to her past just like Henry does. It's a nice touch, but I like that these details aren't necessary for Delilah and Henry to reach a satisfying, if somewhat sad, resolution. Good luck, Henry. Thank you, Delilah. I appreciate it. I mean it. Good luck. Thanks. Bye, Hank. So that was Firewatch, a fantastic study in character writing, dialogue, and making an audience really feel the relationship between two people using nothing but their voices. This is a masterclass in dialogue writing, and if you ever find yourself thinking of how to write a character or a friendship, I recommend coming back to this game. I hope you enjoyed this exploration, and I really want to hear your feedback about how the shorter form episode worked, as well as having a focus down to a specific aspect of the game. As always, we can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now we're on YouTube. Go to consumingcreativity.com to find all of our social media links. Don't forget to stop by our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash consuming underscore creativity if you want to support the show. Supporters get perks like early access, polls for future content, exclusive digital content, and more. Consuming Creativity is a proud member of the Project Headphones network. Head to projectheadphones.com for other projects that we've produced and the amazing work that my friends and colleagues are creating. Thank you for listening to this month's episode and I will join you again at the end of October. And fittingly, we'll be looking at the concept of ambiguity in horror as we explore the strange little film called The Possession of David O'Reilly. As always, there will be spoilers, so make sure you've seen the film before the next episode. Thank you again and I will see you soon.